We make all kinds of connections, from our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourselves? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis. It's time to consider the possibilities. Hello and good evening. Um, Welcome to our show. This is called Things Worth Considering. We like to present you weekly with some ideas to ponder, some people to meet, ideas to disagree with, and things to consider over the coming week. I'm your host, Gord Riddell, and I am here with my co-host, our very own doctor of naturopathic medicine, who's wonderful, Alexia Georgiousis. Hello. Hello, Gord. Thank you for that lovely introduction. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Uh, so, uh, we're live, and if you would like to talk to us, um, we can be reached toll-free in North America at 1-888-346-9141, and if you are international, at 001-480-553-5760. So, you're welcome to uh, give us a call if you'd like and join in. Now, tonight's show is, uh, tonight's show is called uh, Remembering. Um, and it's in honor of Remembrance Day and Veterans Day um, and all the men and women who continue to serve uh, with the armed forces in all of our countries. Um, so I called it Remembering because I'm quite fascinated by actually how memory works. Mm. Um, you know, like what makes a good memory? What makes a bad memory? You know, um, you know those, those kinds of things. Um, you know, having memories, you know, so... Alexia, what about you for Remembrance Day? What do you remember? Do you have any memories growing up? I do, for Day? specifically for Remembrance Day, yes, because I grew up in Calgary, and my uh, parents would, you know, both are European, and both basically were alive during the war, and it was very important for them to teach us, our my siblings, and honor the veterans and honor the the events that happened. So we would go to the Jubilee Auditorium, and I believe it was um, a holiday for all the schools. I, I'm pretty sure it was. And, yes. and it was there was the a, a pretty you know celebration, and then veterans, and then there would be laying of the wreaths and certain uh, certain monument. I don't remember specifically what it was, but yeah, it was something that we. I remember being cold as a kid, standing outside. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> and, and and you know also the the aspect of being silent for that minute mm-hmm. that would happen was was also even as a child I felt like it was a pretty powerful moment so I, I do remember that very much yeah 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 what about, How about you what does it stir for you does it stir anything for you today well you know it's interesting that that you asked that question because um, I have been thinking about it I think that. You know, for me, the idea of this day, I do think it's interesting that it's, you know, the 11th day, the 11th month, the 11th hour. I, I really was trying to look at why the 11s, why the significance of those mm-hmm. numbers. And I didn't find much aside from, you know, a sense of balance and harmony. And, and there were lots of things around numerology, which I don't understand much. But anyway, it was all very positive because I believe it was very specific around why choosing the 11th hour on the 11th day, like uh, there's something well, it's there. It's really mystical because number 11 it is, is actually a, a master number. 
Yeah. Meaning you don't add it back to each other. Like if it's a 10 or a 12, you would do like one and two. As you, there's a three. Oh, okay. A three, right? So I was born on the 16th. So yes. I would go one and six. So that makes me a seven. Okay. okay. Right. Whereas if it's 11, you don't add it back to become two. Yeah, it's I I really it's it's really fascinating because um I think that that's what was was I found what what was the who chose that and why did they choose that but I didn't have a chance to research it very well but I didn't find anything but going back to your question around for me this time I was very where it's very different this year in terms of remembrance and honoring I think the practice of remembrance is something which, for example, in Sufism, the idea of remembrance, just like whether it doesn't matter what religion or spiritual faith, but it's the idea of what does that mean to remember and what are we remembering? We, are we honoring lives? Are we honoring the awareness of spirituality, the awareness of the universe and our connection to that? So, that's what, what's been coming up for me uh, these past couple of days is that you know, I, yes, I had relatives that that fought in the war, and the many people who lost their lives, and just that sadness that really it happens, it continues to happen. These wars, you know, Absolutely. I don't, I don't know how we're going to learn, but well, the remembrance is shifting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's evolved. You know, initially that eleven, eleven, eleven. That's that's coming out of the First World War. Uh, you know, back in nineteen eighteen. You know, yes, when yes. It was signed so. Um, but then, you know, uh, uh, I think it's grown to be then definitely inclusive of World War II. And then, you know, from there, uh, basically, it honors anyone who's, who's uh, not just died, but I think who, who continues to sacrifice in many ways themselves to be in the armed forces, period. You know, both yeah. men and women who, uh, uh, you know, they take, they take a calculated gamble and a calculated risk um, as to signing up. You know, we, we, fortunately, we haven't had the, you know, the draft or conscription in a long time in Canada, uh, Vietnam and the U.S. Um, but it's still, you know, people who volunteer to put themselves on the line for, their, for things that they believe in, you know, I think is pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I do and I don't. I'm very torn because I struggle with why it's just unfortunate that we believe that we that we need to kill other human beings and other and destroy most of the planet to we we haven't progressed enough to come to a place of collaboration that no, that we're still going into the fight mode. And so I think when people volunteer for that, it's also a mindset. It's a it's a mindset that is 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 it needed? I don't know. Because yes, what would happen if Hitler just went through and decided to take over the world, right? right. I mean, there was there was that mindset then. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, now, now here in Canada, of course, you know, the military just provides a whole lot of backup service. In other areas, you know, like in the U.S., they've got the National Guard. Well, we don't have that here. You know, it's the military mm-hmm. or it's not the military. And so... Whether it was Toronto having this horrific snowstorm years and years ago, right. still sort of, you know, a joke of, oh, we have snow, we should call in the army. Um, through <laughs> to, with the pandemic, it was the military that had to come in and, and monitor and help out and take over some of, you know, the care of the elders. Yeah. Uh, they were very, very necessary. You know, well, but I wonder though, in, right now yeah, I wonder though, in countries like Costa Rica, where they do not have an army, there's no armed forces there. They basically run their country with the awareness of 
investing in the environment and to tourism. So there's no army. So I wonder if there's a different system in place of how to care for people because, you know, I I, I feel, you know, well, you can argue it. I'm but just it's, thinking, it's, like, who could march in from either side? You know, like Nicaragua, Guatemala. Uh, well, and, from a military and, and, perspective. Yeah, yeah. But but again, it's the country that that awareness of going, hey, no, we're not going to put our dollars into this. And right. and again, why? I mean, when you've got these mammoth uh, countries that have these powers of being able to destroy these little countries, but. Going back to your part around the service, and I, yes, I think that it's beneficial, and I think that, you know, again, it's perspective. But what are we using it for? And also, what energy it gives. It's that, it's that an energy, it's a, a feeling of you're not safe, and you need protection. And then, again, all of these people who, yes, did, they did sacrifice, for sure. They yeah. made big sacrifices, and their families did. But tell me about your memories, of well, Remembrance my, memory, Day. my memories are, are um, very much around my my grandfather who died, um, and what's interesting is is that I I've been trying to find where he was. I know where he was buried, but I couldn't find anything about him, and it's because they they misspelled his name. Oh, you know, it's an his his it's my mother's father, and it's the last name begins with M C, and then the rest. And well, they put a space in it, and it wouldn't come up. Uh, and I obviously am not thinking, oh, I'll put a space after the C, you know, yeah. a Scottish name. Yes, uh, yes. And so anyways, I got in touch with them and they, they ended up giving me photographs and showing me, you know, where he is and, and the whole thing. And, and that led to me actually tracking down his military service record, which is like 80 pages long. He was shot and he was operated on. He was shot in the leg. He was shot in the arm, uh, you know. And, and so it was really interesting. He was this mythical creature because – um, mm-hmm. What I realized is, is he only died about 10 years before I was born. And my mother was only 13 when he died. So that tells right. you, one, she was really young when I was Yes. Um, but it, it was, um, he was just mythical. And, mm-hmm. and I'm just really actually coming to terms now today with why that was. He was this bigger than, because my mother was in such grief over it still. You know, uh, she had lost her father. She had her mother remarry. That wasn't the best. You know, she got married um, uh, to get away from the house. She was very upfront about that, in spite of the fact she ended up being with my dad for 50 years. Um, So when it was a holiday, I remember it was a holiday. Uh, And I still think we should have stat holiday for this. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think we should go back to that. You know, Uh, Mm. um, you know, the government workers still get it. Because of their union, the I want banks. The union. The <laughs> banks get it. <laughs> Bank holiday, yeah, uh, as they call it in uh, in Britain. So, um, uh, well, if kids were out near us, out playing. We had to sit, and we went through all of the the uh, right through into the Ottawa one, which is a big national one at eleven. Um, and then finally, around noon, we were allowed to go outside. You know, right. um, often though it was cold and snowing. Um, my grandfather's buried in the military uh, prospect cemetery in the military uh, cemetery here in Toronto. Okay. Um, so he's right there. He's right in the middle and, and the whole thing, but it, it wasn't, you know, it was just kind of like, yeah, I was just really, so it's a, kind of a big thing for me, mm-hmm. but you know, what, what I, what I was really, you know, when I called it remembering, I wanted to, I was thinking of how does memory form? Like we don't have a memory of war. 
You know, no. We're too young, <laughs> thank God, um, to have gone through this. Um, we, neither of us, you know, in, in, enlisted voluntarily in the Canadian Army um, or any branch of the military. So how is it that we have this connection? You know, like how, how memory is taught to us mm-hmm. to create that? Well, it's a a really interesting point because, you know, I I think that it is around how memory is taught and, and what that creates in ourselves because we take those things on. I mean, I grew up with stories. My parents would tell us stories about, um, when I say us, I mean I mean my siblings and I, not the right. not the royal us. <laughs> the royal we. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so they would they would tell us stories about what they endured, and you know it was my father being Greek, uh, grew up in Greece, and it was Nazi occupied, and he was a little boy, and of course he has memories of of what's there. And sure, the they thing is, their prince over to take over England instead. right but but that impression those stories impact you as a child you 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 know because I've met people who didn't have that experience of their parents and not really knowing having a film familiarity around the war and the significance of it and I think that that's part of how we develop memories and and whether we resonate or seeing our parents in pain or suffering and realizing, I think of all those soldiers, how many, you know, men and women that had PTSD and there were no supports, right? There were, there were no supports in place. No, well, back then, you know, well, after the First World War, it was called shell shock. Yeah, yeah. You know, the concept of PTSD did not exist. It went, and it was tied purely to the military. Right. It's only, only been recently that we've actually understood that PTSD is not necessarily, you know, a military thing. True, true. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, they talked a lot about, you know, people having shell shock and, and being, you know, uh, just, a, you know, but there was no treatment for it. No. And witnessing, witnessing the suffering, witnessing the, um, just the death. And, and I think that, again, when we look at memory, it's how those imprints affect the brain, you know, things around those, those images. I remember reading something from a homeopath that said, you know, when you look at something, what is it that creates you, let's say something horrific or something that's disturbing, what, what is it that makes you want to vomit? Is it, did something jump into your digestive system or it's coming from the mind, which is so powerful. It's coming from the memory, the image, the sense of something that we pick up and it creates a a body reaction, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, memory itself, I mean, it's it's a very complex, you know, thing that our brain does. It's a very strange thing that our brain does, you know, Um, because, you know, uh, memory, it's the process when we acquire, we store, retain, and be able to retrieve information, you know. So, there's, there's like three primary words that they use with it. One is encoding, which is what happens when we're asleep, mm-hmm. and then storage, and then retrieval. A retrieval, of course, is when, where did I put my keys? Where's my wallet? Right. Where, right. You know, and and that, that certainly varies with age. It also varies with how tired you are. Um, all kinds of brain functions, you know. Are, are t- oh, absolutely. You know, um, you know but... It, it um, really, it's both learned and experienced, um, you know, b- both create memory. So it's actually a function of our ability to concentrate. Yes, yes. And also imagination. 
Because imagination, the brain does not know what is real and what isn't, which That's is right. why visualization and imagery can be so powerful. But what That's I find ironic. That's all concentration. That's actually yes. a brain function. Concentration. Yes. Well, and then, then you go, well, where is the, because when we identify it as the brain, I always think, well, the cells absolutely communicate with each other, not just from the brain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, there, there's that whole idea of, of again, what is what is actually causing the communication? Right, right. You know, when we say that, you know, in, in the function, you know, it's the brain's ability to concentrate. I think a lot of people don't like that term. You know, that, that's which a term? Which or term? A teacher concentrate. Uh, you know, just concentrate or pay yeah. attention. You know. Oh yeah, it sounds te- uh, it's terrible, and the, and it, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you know, the back of my hairs or the hair on the back of my neck to stand up. <laughs> but what's what it is saying though is is that it and this is a very spiritual piece is you have to be present. You have to be in the now and you have to be engaged. Yes, and there's I, I think another aspect around awareness and, and being present because I think like pardon me? You have to like it. <laughs> With the engagement. <laughs> Like, well, not necessarily. Like commercial breaks. Yes. Should we take a commercial? Sure. I think so. I'm going to teach you what really is important here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in two minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Follow the Voice America Empowerment Channel on Twitter. You already know we're full of great ideas, and our hosts have plenty to say. We want to hear from you, too. Be sure to follow us at VA Empowerment and come back every day to see what's next. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. 
Hi, and welcome back. Um, I'd like to remind you that you can call us, too, if you would like to take part. Uh, Toll-free in North America, it is 1-888-346-9141. International callers at 001-480-553-5760. And your call is welcome anytime. Uh, says, what were you saying here? <laughs> well, what I was saying was around being present. And I read something recently that made me sort of go, oh, this is an interesting way to look at present because we often will say we're not present. I'm not present. And so what this uh, person was saying was basically we're always present, but we're either in one of two places in our heads. We're either in sort of the the noise or the storm or we're basically in awareness. So we're either very conscious or we're, but we're always present. It's just a matter of recognizing where we are. And I think that that to me is very helpful because it get, takes the pressure off of people to feel, oh my God, I'm not present, I'm not present. And as soon as, you know, for myself, it's a sense of I'm always present. I just have to pay attention to where my thoughts are. Are they, right, right. And you know, that noise, turn the noise yeah, level down. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that, that's what I wanted to um, share with you before the break. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good point, um, actually, um, because it, it is, you are always present. I mean, here I am, you know, but it's like, yeah, where am I in my head? And, yeah. you know, more often than not, it's, uh, you know, if we're not fully, if we're really not engaged in what's going on, then we have a tendency to drift over to the noise level, um, yeah. or, or at least up that sound. You know? Yes, definitely. So I, I think that you have to really, you know, in order to create a memory, you have to somehow or other be impacted. This is a positive place, you know, be impacted by it or be interested at least in it, uh, yeah. that you, you're going to stay focused on it, you know. Yes. Unfortunately, horror also keeps us very focused, <laughs> you know, so it's... Uh, you know, even if we, we don't want to, it's sort of that whole choice around it, you know. Well, and, um, and, it, and I think it's kind of interesting that we emphasize a lot about having a good memory. But then the more I read in terms of beginner's mind, spirituality, staying open to the unknown, it's like memory can become a hindrance. Yes. Because it can keep us in a rigidity and a sense of fear of, I don't know anything else, and I only remember this, and this is what is safe. So, dropping the memory is actually a kind of interesting concept, right? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, memory is exactly what our, our you know, uh, frontal lobe is working, you know, the, the prefrontal cortex. It, it works with, in terms of, oh, there's memory being created here. In other words, there's habit being created, therefore there's ritual Therefore, let's hand it back to the back of the bus here uh, to the amygdala. Yes, yes. The and, and, and wherever that Amy's. interpretation, <laughs> the amygdala. Amy, what did you call it? Amy's gala? <laughs> the two Amy's. That's, that's from my friend Ron Young. Uh, oh, that's funny. Uh, he calls it the two Amy's. <laughs> well, I, and, I, and I think it's funny how, uh, well, funny as in uh, interesting, that the language that we use in coding, storage, retrieval, it's very mechanical, it's very, it's very much computer. It's very computer, which is also the rigidity yeah. around not, you know, trying because science, you know, we, we, we know we need science, but we also need this other aspect of embracing what we don't know, because the memory isn't just contained in the brain. It's in the body as, as you know, it, the body holds lots of memory. Yes. 
Yeah. Our language, interestingly, I've done done some reading on this, our language, how it replicates what's going on technologically in in the world. Hmm. And so you have all these sayings, you know, it's like, oh, I'm just out of steam. You know, and, and, you know, uh, uh, I'm not, you know, I I just can't get the wheels, you know, up and going and so on. I mean, that's, that's all kind of the steam engine. Yeah, totally. You know, and and now, and now our language is, you know, if someone's feeling inspired to say, oh, I'm getting a download. What the hell is a download? You know, (laughs) you're not a computer. (laughs) You know, I I really, I really feel that way. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, a download. Let's do an upload. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, and that's, and that's, that's actually very interesting because it also shows how we are in a culture where that's something that we can relate to using that kind of language. But I also think that it's part of the problem around creating a lot of burnout and creating a lot of overwhelm because there's very little flexibility there and there's not a sense of flow. There's no, the, it's, no. and it's, and there's not a create creative vibe to that. It's, you know, thinking about downloading or storage and retrieval <laughs> compared to using metaphors, which we talked about before is that, yeah. you know, imagine if we said, Oh, I feel like Sisyphus. <laughs> I mean, like it's get her but it's, out of here. <laughs> but it, but it's the sense of the experience of you know whatever it is using creativity, which is which is actually helps balance the brain. You're in right. my opinion, it really helps balance that feeling of overwhelm because we know the intellect is incredibly powerful and it will just continue to ruminate and search for facts and search for solutions. As long as we have enough fuel. As long as well. Yeah, until the hard drive crashes, because that's the other language in burnout. When they talk about the brain, they say that, yeah, the, it's basically like your hard drive crashed. Yeah, or we, we just go, oh, uh, are you tired? Oh, yeah, I just, I'm just going to crash tonight. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know the fuel was, was, uh, it was around cars, you know, of, of the whole gasoline. And, the, you know, when we moved from steam to, to, you know, gas engines and so on. So there's just, it's quite fascinating, actually, if you look at our language in English as to how much of it is informed by what's going on technologically, and we just mm-hmm. take it on. And so we're, now we're in the computer thing, and everything is about uploading, downloading, retrieval, storage, you know, the whole thing. Yeah, and I, and I think that th- th- it is fascinating, and I think that right now with the pandemic and so many people working online, that we're seeing that, no, you can't just jump from in-person to online and feel like it's ease. Oh, it's no. not the same. No. And the memory part, I think there's a lot of unknown that is related to, and the grief related to the memory of, oh, socializing, seeing people in person, that is also a huge part of of what's happening. And I think maybe Remembrance Day, I'm not sure what events took place. I think they were all virtual or distance and, you know, physical distancing. Yeah. Yeah. I was told like at the, uh, my grandfather's uh, uh, cemetery that it would be, it was uh, invitation only private and only a hundred people were allowed. Right. Distanced. Yeah. You know, that included like the pipes and the drums and, you know, the whole thing that uh, is usually there. And then it was carried virtually, you know, but um, it's known for its, it's, that's where the, the, the daybreak services is held you know, before it goes, you know, down to the other cenotaphs. Right, right. I think the other thing, too, that's, that is uh, really important is the ritual that we were taught around Remembrance Day and all the, the components of, of that ritual. You know, we have, you know, the taps, you know, right. the, the, with the, yeah. the uh, morning wake up or at the end, uh, the two minutes of silence. 
Mm -hmm. uh, the, the uniforms, the mass pipes and drums, you know, mm -hmm. the sole bagpiper in, dressed in full regalia, usually 48th Highlanders, my grandfather yeah. and my father. Um, the laying of the wreaths by the dig from dignitaries to the very old veterans, you know, right. uh, the poppy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's each Powerful. one of those, you know, it's part of an overall ritual that our brain loves, you know. And so, you know, how do we, how do we learn memory without experience is by taking part in ritual. And that's where the Catholics were so brilliant in days of days, days have gone by when the Catholic Church was trying to establish itself. It associated itself with already pre-existing ritual. You know, and and that then allowed the people were like, oh, well, look, it's the sort of same thing. And, you know, it, it didn't matter where you went because the ritual was pretty much, you know, the same like the Easter, the festival of Easter. You know, right. And, and, I, and I, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that the ritual rituals are very important. And I think that's part of the disconnect that we've had with our lives is that we have forgotten the importance of rituals, oh, not in no, terms of just, important. you know, creating a, a sort of robotic sense of following, because part of my fear around the pandemic is that people are, you know, getting this repeated message that is creating a sense of, of, of just follow and follow and follow. And it's not to say to break rules by any means or, and not be responsible, but it means also remember that you have an awareness inside and that you can use common sense, but, but the programming is also something that we have to be mindful of around, are we creating these memories? I feel for the little kids right now who are, you know, basically playing with masks and feel like that somehow they're a danger to, their grandparents, right? right? Or don't understand why they can't have their friends. Yeah. You know, and, not and understand that. They, their brain isn't capable of understanding, yeah. you know, not being able to see grandparents or your aunt right. and uncle or your, you know, whatever. And now there's, they're, you know, tightening it up again, you know, right. uh, so, starting Saturday. Well, and, and, and the memories now, and the other group that I think is suffering a lot is, are the teenagers from like 15 and the young adults, like 15 yep. to 30. That's, that's a really difficult. That's infectious rate. Yeah, and it's Absolutely. it's it's hard, but again, we know infection doesn't mean death. So it's 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 also the idea. I'm very curious about this. Shows us to me that our the culture that we live in, we haven't created rituals or ceremony to be able to deal with this kind of unknown. We haven't created something because to me, the power of a ritual or ceremony is that it becomes something that's not just from the brain, but it's the body. And there's an awareness of honoring. There's aware, an awareness of connection and not just doing it rote, right? There's, when there's no right. meaning behind it, then right. it's, it's not, it doesn't have a depth of, of being able to have any power. That's the other part. It doesn't actually become very powerful. No, it doesn't become powerful at all. And we're going to talk shortly about what does make it powerful. Yeah. Um, the other one, of course, is the poem uh, by... Canadian Lieutenant Colonel John McRae. Yes. Uh, there really is a place called Flanders Fields. Yes. Uh, in Belgium. And uh, he wrote it. He actually hated it, apparently. He threw it away after he wrote it. And his, really? friends, his friends grabbed it. Wow. Um, and it was like in May or June or something like that. Uh, after he had, he had um, presided over the funeral of one of his closest friends, actually, uh -huh. uh, Al, um, Al Alex, Alexis um, Helmer, a, a male lieutenant. And yeah. he had just buried him uh, when he wrote it. Hmm. And uh, he wasn't happy with it. He threw it away, but his buddies uh, picked it up. And by December of that year, it was actually, it was being published. Um, do you want to hear it? 
Absolutely. It's very powerful. It's, uh, you know what? It is. It's incredibly, incredibly It's very powerful. powerful. Um, I just happen to have a copy right here. Great. <laughs> Let's hear it. In Flanders fields, the poppies blow between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place. And in the sky, the larks, still bravely singing, fly scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago, we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you, from failing hands, we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders fields. I get chills from that, you know? Totally. Yeah. Totally. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's just so powerful. And so you hear that and it brings you into it. And that's what I'm trying to say is like, you know, although we didn't experience war, our ritual in our society around it is what keeps it alive for us and gives us new memory yeah. around the memory itself. Right, right. You know? And I, I think that, that also the hearing the stories, the, the, the energy that comes through from the families that went through any type of war, any type of trauma, it's, it's there because the, there's, there's such, such horrific uh, things that happen that I, I don't think that people ever really lose that in terms of trying no. to forget it, right? Because no, that's what I, fascinates me about memory is, is going when it fades and when something can replace it or it, when it's cleared out, that's freedom. That's real freedom. It is. It is. Uh, um, certainly of old memory or memory we don't like. You know, I mean, those, those kinds of things. But, you know, um, I, I, was, I was thinking as you were, you were talking there of the family, you know, I was reading, you know, it's like 80 pages of my grandfather. And he had just moved here, him and my grandmother. He followed her. She was 19. Um, and uh, she came from Scotland and he came from Scotland. And he followed her over here. And uh, they got married right away. Um, and because, because Canada was part of England, Dad, you know, part of the UK, right. yes. uh, during Britain, uh, it was just automatic. And, and of course he signed up. And so he went over, he was shot in France. Um, and my grandmother then, so suddenly has a baby. Hmm. I wonder how that happened. But anyways, suddenly has a baby. And so they're back on a boat, you know, dodging German boats, trying to get back to the UK, um, to Great Britain. And, uh, then you see, you know, because she's been given a separation pay, which I didn't realize was paid to, to uh, out of England to uh, uh, if your husband was here and you were here, then you got a separation pay while your husband was fighting. Um, and so it's, uh, you know, the addresses kept changing through, mm. you know, and, and it's like there's my grandmother and then she's in Scotland and then she's living with her, her, her family. And there she, there she goes. She goes to live with her in-laws, you know, where, where my grandfather was born. Um, and it just it just became so alive for me. Yes, you know? sure. I mean, I, I always loved history, but it was kind of boring in school. But then right. when I went to Europe, mm. and I went to the horrible places, and I went to the exciting, wonderful places, you know, and it just became so alive. Yeah. So to now read their story, and I've been to the places, I've been to my family's birthplace in Scotland and so on, and, and uh, or birthplaces, the whole country, Um and and it's just so alive for me to to read that story now. Yeah. Oh, I bet absolutely. Yeah, and it's, yeah. It, it's, it's part of your. 
It's well, and it's part of your ancestry. It's part of the memory that's there, you know. Yes. But absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, here was this person that was idolized. Remember, as, as a child, you know, and we yeah. had pictures of him, and you know, the whole thing. And yes, I do look like him, and and so on. But it's it's uh, uh, it, it just became so real. This young twenty three year old man. You know, yeah. and his young bride and their new two-month-old baby, and he's enlisting or he's been conscripted, you know, yeah. uh, to go and fight, you know, kind of thing. And that was in 1916. So sort of just wow. in the middle of the war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. he wasn't discharged until 1919. Right. You know? you know, if you think about that, like that's that's 100 years ago, you know, but it's very much alive for some of us. Yes, and I think it's and very. that old. No, no. And it's, it's, it is around, you know, the importance of, of honoring a particular time in the world. Mm. And, and I think that that's part of, I mean, I'm curious to see what's going to come out at the end of 2020 and 2021 about this year, but then what is the remembrance? You know, what are we going to, what's, what are we going to look at in terms of remembrance? Mm. Because it's a very beautiful practice remembering in terms of honoring. Hoarding toilet paper. Well, stress, let's hope not. Shortages at the supermarket. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be more, more potent or more deeper acting for people around. Wow, you know, I had to, I had to shift some perspectives or realize I don't need to have, you know, twenty five pairs of shoes. Exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> what? Nobody told me that part. Uh, <laughs> I'm the last one, really, to go out shopping for that kind of stuff. Right. Well, right. Like maybe you know. Uh, yeah, that whole hoarding thing, you know. Uh, so we have to take a break here, and we will be back in just two minutes. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. 
Hi, and welcome back. Uh, this is your last chance to give us a call if you want to share in any stories here. Uh, North America, 188-346-9141. And it will only cost you time. It won't cost you a cent. Um, so we were, we were talking about uh, uh, memory and ritual and how that's created. Um, emotions is the next big thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, whether it's a, it's a, you know, a, a strong, a strong, like, uh, uh, emotion of disdain or disgust or a strong emotion of love and adoration. Uh, it doesn't matter, but you've got to feel something. Yeah. You know? That makes sense. That makes sense to me very yeah. much. That's what impacts. That's what absolutely embeds the memory. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. The uh, and of course sleep, proper sleep, because the, the brain has to sort that through to encode it, you know, properly. Uh, back to the computer thing, you know, a teacher, <sighs> a teacher literally once said to me, you know, he said, make them laugh or make them cry, but make them feel something if you want them to remember. Well, I guess what I chose to make people cry. Absolutely, you knew it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love making people cry. No. Um, <laughs> you snotty little person. Um, <laughs> no, absolutely. I can remember. It's so powerful yeah. for me. Make them laugh or make them cry, but yeah. make them feel something if you're going to remember. You know, Angela, uh, Maya Angelou, one of my heroes as, as well. Uh, uh, she said, people may not remember what you did and they may not always remember what you said, but they will always remember how you made them feel. And yes, so wise, and that is so true. Yeah, yeah. I find that it's so it, words are. It, it's kind of like what Marion Little was saying in nonviolent communication. Lots of people can say words, but it's the energy, the feeling behind it, and yeah. even without words. Yes, it's just how they feel and yes. how we feel with their energy. With their energy, exactly, and the authenticity of that energy. Oh yeah, you can tell. Yeah. You can yeah. tell. Yeah. But, you know, I think that that's honestly, I mean, we, we, we talked just briefly about this, about the queen. Of, yes. You know, the, the, of the Commonwealth. I mean, Queen of Canada, the Queen of, you know, the UK and Northern Ireland. Um, I mean, she is authentic. You know, I mean, she is everybody's grandmother. Um, mm, I don't know. When she, when she dies, it's going to be horrible. Will it though? She, Why? I, I, because she is the most stable person any of us have in our lives. Since the day we were born, she has always been there with us. She's been a picture in our classroom. She has been there every Christmas, you know, like in some, some well, way, shape, or form. I'm not a huge fan. Well, I'm not a huge. Um, I sh- I don't necessarily agree with you. Actually, I, I'll just well, say that her, there's her as a person, or the and there's the monarchy. Yes, but I'm not a, really a fan of the monarchy. I think as a person, exactly. I think it's fascinating. A, I and her as a person. Okay, and but I also I don't know who she is. I've well, never met her. No, I didn't well, know anything about my grandparents either. I'm learning it now that they're gone. Well, but you know how you would feel around them, right? Most of the time, depending. <laughs> certain so, so I don't. I don't have that. I don't have that kind of feeling of of her being the most stable person. I love the royal family. I know. I know. I'm you kick do. you off the show right now. <laughs> Zoom allows me to have people exited. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, my technology disconnect. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, um, the royal family is just kind of interesting. You know, um, um, during the war, you know, the, uh, the queen actually was, was uh, she enlisted. Yes, she I, I did mechanic. know that. Yes. I mean, raw, raw for women. She was well, absolutely. 
And there's Absolutely. All kinds of, all kinds of uh, pictures of her with, with yes. her mother, who was then Queen Elizabeth, right. uh, you know, sort of draping over her as she's changing a carburetor in, in some, some, you know, uh, yeah. truck or whatever. I mean, she wasn't on the front line, but she was on, you know, really necessary backup services. Oh, yeah. Very you know, necessary. Um, and, you know, the, the royal family was asked to leave and many of the European royal families did leave. Mm-hmm, um, in mm-hmm. order for them, you know, not to be. That's why we have so many tulips here in Canada, is because yeah. we harbored the Dutch royal family. Oh, uh, oh I know. didn't know that. Really, yes, I had yes. no idea. Yes, so they still send to this day. They send huge amounts of bulbs to us each year, of, huh. of, tulip, of tulips as a way of saying thank you. Um, in fact, the um, uh, the area where they lived was sort of roped off or, you know, whatever, cordoned off. And that was actually considered now to be Dutch soil because the Queen Juliana, who just stepped down, uh, no, Beatrix just stepped down. Juliana gave birth to Beatrix here on Canadian soil, but it wasn't Canadian soil. It was Dutch soil because we really? needed that area as, as being part of Holland. Yeah. Yeah. So and then they went back at the end of the war. Oh, that's so interesting. What part, yeah. do you know offhand what part of Canada was considered to be? They were in Ottawa. Be- in Ottawa. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Ottawa. Um, the, um, there, was a, there was a number of people. And of course, that's where the, the British royal family was supposed to. You know, there was a place getting ready for them to come to. Right. Uh, when they said no. Um, right, right. You know, that uh, uh, the Queen Mother had said, or the Queen Elizabeth at that time, uh, said that her husband wasn't leaving. Uh, he was the king, and so she would not be leaving with her daughters either, the future Queen Elizabeth and Princess Margaret. So, uh, you know, there's actually a picture of her stepping over Buckingham, Buckingham Palace when it was bombed. It was bombed mm. like seven times. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and the, the uh, Queen Elizabeth at that time said, well, at least now I can look the East Enders of London in the eyes because <laughs> she had suffered the same sort of damage they were, you know, they, yeah. they were well, experiencing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, different, different uh kind of boat but still had it had it touched touched by it in a way touched by it in in a way for sure and the fact that didn't leave yeah exactly you know exactly uh so anyway i'm not i'm not here to defend them at all no Uh, no it's interesting it's interesting uh, history yes uh, and fan of the royal royals uh, and of the whole royals yeah Yeah. yeah. like going back like you know a thousand years you know yeah um but it's it's just interesting that you know when you see that picture, when any sort of those pictures, the the feelings that are elicited is what brings back. It's one. It's the retrieval. Okay, so often someone you know if you're doing therapy and you begin to have a feeling, it can actually actually retrieve then the memory. Yes, right? definitely. Same right. same thing happens when I'm doing acupuncture. Um, that can or even a guided meditation that something it's not even conscious. It just sort of something is familiar, something, you know, sort of disturbs or, or it comes up out of nowhere, mm-hmm. which I, I find very fascinating. Oh yeah. Know? Yeah. The same as like uh, doing, uh, doing body work. Yeah. Any, you know, massage and you have some trauma that you went through that, poof, you know, you weren't, hadn't been in your mind for years, but a certain part of your body decided to suddenly release a memory on that. Right. Right. You know, um, is is <laughs> that's really really fascinating? You know, it is fascinating, and I think it's also fascinating around how much we sometimes reinforce the memory, and I think that can be a little bit dangerous around repeating, repeating, repeating because it just keeps you know gouging in that that sense of uh, this is the familiar place that my brain can go. 
Right. And I, I, I'm not against anything like talk therapy. I think it has value for sure. But I, and I, I do think there are other tools, you know, in terms of getting the memory out of the body, the energy out of the body, because to me, it's a, it's an energetic stuckness that, that sure. keeps repeating, right? Well, I mean, that's the whole idea behind talk therapy is, is that, you know, the talk releases that energy. Hopefully. It's when it's, when it's not talking, and when it stops being talk therapy is when you just keep repeating the same story right. over and over again. Right. And that's almost a form of woundology. Yes, yeah, you know, good word. Great, great expression. Uh, you know, look for what sure. happened to me, you know, and, and I've got a scab here on my arm and I just keep going back and, you know, picking at the scab yeah. and we know what happens with that. You know, it just yeah. gets deeper and uglier and whiter. You know? Exactly, exactly. Um, but it's, it's that same sort of a, you know, that's what I know. And so that's what I keep going back to. And there's a lot of people do that. You know? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's a comfort zone. I think it's a sense of... Totally. What if we, what we, we like to have the thinking mind very active and suddenly when it stops, when it's like, okay, you can't repeat that story again or whatever it is, whatever technique, then it's like, well, now what do I talk about? Oh, exactly. You know, now what can I say? It's like, okay, so I've heard you tell, tell me this story now three times, you know, the last three weeks in a row. What do you want to do with this story? Yeah. Does it go anywhere? Because otherwise I'm kind of getting bored. You must be awfully bored with this story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and just trying and you know, again, that's my humor, but it's trying to move somebody away from that repetition. Absolutely. You know, because it really is, uh, it's like spinning your wheels on ice. You're not going anywhere. You know, no. you're just going to burn up a whole lot of fuel. Yeah. You know, look yeah. at those, those metaphors, you know, spinning wheels on ice. Uh, <laughs> it's, for, it's another good, you know, it's, it's, this, it's like a stuck, it really is a stuckness. And I think that, that mm. that's the danger of anything that's stuck, prana, chi, the energy that stagnation, it's like stagnant water, you know, stagnant water oh. will grow a lot of dangerous organisms Very and attract. Dangerous. And that's what happens in the body when that, those stories get stuck in, yeah, in my yeah. opinion, you know? Yeah. 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 And I think a lot of people have a lot of stuck stories. Yeah. And we, and the thing is the, you know, I remember hearing the expression that, you know, uh, the negative stories are like Velcro and mm-hmm. the positive ones are like kind of like, um, Teflon. Like oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly. Butter. Right. That's, I like that even better, <laughs> like but, it, but it, it is that sense of it sticks. And I've, I've always thought, why does that stick so deeply? Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, it's, it isn't you know necessarily nice, but it's you know forgetting everything. It's like I have Teflon disease where nothing sticks. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of slides on off. You know. Yeah. Now yeah. studies studies is interesting here when we talk about negative and and positive feelings and emotions. Is is that um, positive emotions are the least accurate of of memories. Which hmm. is interesting. Negative, negative uh, emotional recall or a negative uh, memory recall is much more likely to have more accurate and, and verifiable stats in them. Whereas the positive one, we have a tendency to embellish and to augment. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. There's a number any, of studies that are, that are showing that. Any sense of where that comes from? Or how that happens. I think I think that you know when when we when we talk about um, you know some of our negative stuff, it, it because it has that that power to it and um, in, in how it impacted us. I think we we really 
we really are almost forced to toe the line to it, you know. But when mm-hmm. it's been like, you know, yeah, I went and it was at this big party, and, and then our language becomes even huger, and we start embellishing, you know, tremendous. It was just tremendous party, you know? right? People, right, right. people from every walk, every walk of life came to see me, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, um, when we use the grandiose language, you know, that's when we start to embellish. How big mm. is the fish? Uh, you know, it was like this big. So what about the one that pulled you into the water? Well, it's just a little thing, but you know, <laughs> right, right. you know, kind of thing. So um, uh, I, I think that the, the, the emotion often is what keeps us in line. Yeah, I think so too. You know, I think that there's um, that, that having, and it's sometimes recognition of, oh, there's an emotion here and, and I, and not even knowing that it's there. Yeah, but the yeah. the whole perspective and interpretation that's also underlying in terms of a, a negative memory and and how I think what can happen is that other pieces of other memories start to blur. Absolutely, and Absolutely. and that it ends up it totally. Yeah, well, we when we look memories at siblings like having memories and sharing the stories, and it's like, what that happened? What do you mean really? that happened? This was, was that, what was happened. I there, yeah. right. Well, what is perspective? You know, yes, get two people sure. to watch an event and we both tell two sort two different stories, you know, based on what it is that, that we would see. But but a memory's not stagnant. No. It's not static. You know, it's dynamic no. and it's always changing both with the passage of time and with a function of new experiences. Yeah. So which is lovely. We, uh, absolutely, unless you're a lawyer who's trying to count on a witness right. to tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. Because that is one of the biggest problems with people who, who do anything with the legal profession is getting people to, um, you know, tell us exactly what happened. Yeah. And I, I think because that what you're told in the moment, two years later, when it finally gets to trial. Oh, yeah. Totally changed. Yeah. You know and what? I have to jump ahead. Okay. I got to tell you about next week. We have an amazing person coming. Yes, we do. Uh, Thursday on the 18th at 8 p.m., our guest is the award-winning executive and artistic director of Red Sky Performance, uh, amazingly accomplished Sandra Larone. Dance International says that Sandra Larone is a force of nature to be reckoned with on the Canadian cultural scene. uh, she is the uh, founder of the Red Sky Performance in 2000, uh, Canada's leading company of contemporary Indigenous performance in Canada and worldwide. Um, their mission is Indigenous arts and culture that transform society. She's active in cultural diplomacy, uh, having taken part in such international platforms as the uh, 2018 Venice Biennial, uh, two cultural Olympiads, both uh, Canada and Beijing, the 2020 trade mission to Europe, Canada's High Commission, Australia Council of Arts, and is an official delegate and speaker in the 19th World Congress in Cape Town of Asitia. I'm not sure what that is. You do not want to miss this woman. We will be live next Thursday on Things Worth Considering. Alexia, thank you. Thank you, Gord. Good night, everyone. Good night. For tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Alexia Georgiusis and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are. 